What's up, everybody? This is episode 142 of the Clappercast. It's been a while. I'm Burke, and as always, joined by Sean. Sean, how's it going, man? You know, it's been it's been 84 years, but we are finally <laughs> back to record another episode. Uh, we've got a pretty pretty heavy episode here coming up, where uh, we're going to preview the entirety of the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, it's always fun, fun time of year. Uh, my my favorite type of hockey, playoff hockey, where it just gets more intense and you know more's on the line. So let's get into it, Sean. But first, I actually want to ask you, outside of the Oilers series, um, is there one that you're most looking forward to? Um, I'm going to have to say the Devils and the Rangers. I think, uh, yeah, I think, you know, looking at some of the other ones, there's either a very clear direction you think it's going to head or it's going to be very low scoring, except for this one, that it can go either way and it should be exciting as hell. Yeah. How about, that, how about you? That was my pick also. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah the, the Hudson River rivalry. It's been a while since they've met. Um, it's been about 10 years. We were, yeah, I think it was like 2012 or something when they met in like conference finals. Oh, yeah, the um, random the random cup final appearance by the Devils. Y- yeah, very weird. Um, and uh, it's, it's exciting. I think it'll be an intense matchup. Um. So, um, I guess let's just, maybe let's just start with that one. Yeah, Let's not? start with the East. We're, we're both heading the same that, direction, uh, so let's start with that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll just start right in the middle of the bracket, I guess. The, the number two uh, Metro seed versus number three Metro seed. So the Devils have home ice advantage against the Rangers. So who do you think is going to end up on top in this one? I jumped back and forth. I originally thought the Rangers would. And then I looked a little bit more into it and realized the Devils and remembered and realized how strong the Devils have been all season. And I think ultimately they're going to be able to take advantage a little bit more than the Rangers. And I think uh, I think the Devils take this one. It'll be a lengthier series, probably six or seven games. But I go, I'm going to predict Devils in six. Ooh. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I, I, I also flip-flopped. Um, I... I have a hard time going against the Rangers because, like, everything in my brain is, like, you know, they got Patrick Kane, they've got Tarasenko, they've got Panarin, like, they've got Chris Kreider, they've, they've got, got Fox. Fox, they've um, got Shesterkin, they've got Zibanejad, they've, they've got, got Panarin. Like, I, yeah. that, that was my direction at first, too, because of how much star power. Like, this is this is a super team. Like, we don't see them in the NHL in the salary cap era. So it's like, how is how do you bet against this team? And then you look at – I looked at the stats, and I'm like – Okay, all the things that I'm saying about the Rangers being a super team, they're not that much better in any stat than the Devils. And the Devils yeah. have substantially better underlying numbers, and they've had that all season compared to the Rangers. So the real biggest difference is that goaltending uh, between Shesterkin mm-hmm. and Vanacek. But the yeah. Devils have been just fine defensively with their you know random mishmash of Vanacek, Akira Schmid, and um, Mackenzie Blackwood. Blackwood. So it's it's like well okay they have Shesterkin but like the Devils haven't been that much worse with theirs. Yeah, I yeah I don't I don't really know on this one I I I'm gonna pick Rangers in seven just because I think it'll be fun to have a long series in this and I just think that 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 uh, experience will, will be like the X factor for them they've got guys who've you know been in playoffs you know Patrick Kane is one Tarasenko's one um, you know. They've they've got a bit 
more experience on the roster in playoffs. Um, I know that I know the Devils have. Yeah, um, they have a few guys with a lot. They've got Palat, Eric Halla, um, Dougie Hamilton. Know. Yeah, um, but they've got a lot of guys that are that are young, brand new. Maybe the pressure um, gets to them a bit more, um, and then you know they've got they've got uh, like you said a bit of a hodgepodge in goalies, and yeah, Vanacek's been good regular season, but you know he's got I think pretty pretty minimal playoff experience except for he was really good in the bubble <laughs> i think um but um i don't know i just i think that the rangers have a bit of a bit of an edge just with the experience factor yeah. um i do think it's going to be a higher scoring series um just with the offensive weapons that each team has oh, absolutely. And i'm looking forward to that um i'm also excited to see if luke hughes um gets in there like he scored a beautiful rap goal <laughs> for his first goal ever. Yeah, was that like an overtime NHL? winner too? With, with I think yeah, Jack against the Caps. On it. <laughs> yeah, it was like okay, you're just gonna cut through everyone and then just you know do a sick, sick dangle and do a wrap around. And I don't know yeah. much about him. Is um, he is he like a two way defensive or offensive defender? Because he goes and pulls that as his first NHL goal, and you're like, okay, is this guy just like the next Dougie Hamilton for them? I think his his like one of his big strengths is like holding the line and being able to kind of jump into the play, but I think he's a bit more two way compared to like Quinn. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like he's he's obviously super young, so like, you know, like if like Tarasenko or Patrick Kane is like coming down on the wing on him, like. Is that is he going to be good enough to like close the gap against some of those guys? Yeah, and, like, especially you know, someone like Kane. Or is he going to get pretty limited? minutes exactly like someone like kane who's made a career of puck control basically yeah like the best stick handler yeah <laughs> around um so yeah i don't know i think i think it, i think it will be a tight series um but i i like i said have a really hard time going against the rangers as much as i hate super teams and i want them to lose i do think that they're gonna win um I would I would like to see the, Ran uh, the Rangers lose <laughs> just after going you know all in on some of this. Yeah. Um, despite not giving up really a lot for you know Patrick Kane, but um, yeah, I think they're gonna take it. Yeah, I uh, I look, I'm like really um, swayed by some of the underlying numbers and how like the Devils are one of the best performing teams in like expected goals for and Corsi and like possession stats, how the devils are like top of the league and have been all season. And I mean, mm -hmm. I don't, I can't remember if uh regular season head to head matchup hat plays any, you know, predictive predictive role, but the devils were three Oh and one against the Rangers in the regular season. Yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah. So that's kind of some of the things that kind of swayed me back over to the devil's side was, uh, <laughs> the devil swayed you. <laughs> <laughs> I've sold my soul to the devil. <laughs> yeah, you're you're. Uh, I, you're I'm Rangers yeah. The devil now. They they presented some some really strong expected goals for numbers, and I just I sold my soul off to the devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I'm just taking another look at their roster, and um, I just I just think that like with with the the style change going into playoffs, how it's more physical, and a bit grittier. I lean Rangers having the edge there too, where it's like they've got they've got Jacob Truba who could absolutely 
he could knock anyone out of the series at any point with a heavy hit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, regardless of if you think his hits are clean or not, like he has the potential to just lay an absolute boom on someone. So that could happen. You know, you've got like Vincent Trocek who plays that style of game. Um, even like Tarasenko can throw the body around a bit. Um, Ryan Lindgren is like a, a huge battler. Um, you know, Barkley Goodrow. Um, so I, uh, and you look at like the, the devil's lineup and they've got like Dougie Hamilton, who's a big guy. Um, but you know, I think it's like what, like Miles Wood kind of like hits Michael McLeod, Brennan Smith. Yeah, Bastion. If, if Bastion plays, he's kind of in and out of the lineup all season. Yeah. So, I that could take its toll on some of these younger guys too. Is like the the, the big hits, yeah. and like the checking lines that the Rangers make. Well, I mean, to, an, an interesting you know, comparison in this series is Jack Hughes to Patrick Kane, because the way that Hughes has kind of shown his his offensive game is very reminiscent in style of Patrick Kane, where he's strong on the puck, puck control, skates around the zone with it. So with this being Hughes, like Jack Hughes' first time in the playoffs, like is he going to be able to adjust that? Because he's not going to be able to go and carry the puck around probably quite as much as, as he would in the regular season. Whereas the mm-hmm. Rangers have, you know, Patrick Kane, obviously, who's figured out how to do that in the past. And he has shown yeah. to be a playoff performer. So, you know, with Hughes being like the, the Devils' best offensive player, is he going to be able to adjust his game enough to like counter the change in knock in style? Yeah, like the, the the teams not letting you skate around as much, I think, is a good point. And also the refs putting their whistles away, right? Like you're not going to get the calls that you would in the regular no. season. Or not like the same ones. They al- yeah, they allow a bit more clutch and grab, yeah. right? Where it's like interestingly, m- um, I read that there is actually the same or more penalties in the playoffs than in the regular season. But I assume it's just the type of call. Less, less like wishy-washy ticky-tack penalties versus more things that are probably actually penalties. Yeah, I, I saw that. I think it, they, they, that came out like a few months ago or something, right? Like maybe the, maybe it's kind of making the rounds again, but I remember seeing that where it's like, oh, if you look at the numbers, there's actually more. But it's like you watch it, and it's like the eye test is like that would have been a slash. Yeah. That would have been like something. The little so stick yeah, infractions and like, instruction penalties don't get called as much. Yeah, so maybe it's like – Maybe maybe it's like I can't remember the stats on that specific thing you're mentioning, but like maybe it's like games are longer. <laughs> there's more overtime, so like there's more time in a game to call penalties. Right. I don't, can't remember if it was like by by minute or like by 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 game, because if you're doing by game, it's like well, if if you're including all those like some overtimes are like a whole yeah, you get two or three overtimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it's like maybe yeah, there's gonna be a, a few more calls, but I don't know. Anyway, everyone knows playoff hockey's a bit a bit grittier, and there's like, it's not the same standard, right? So, um, that could be uh, a huge learning opportunity for the Devils' younger roster, where it's like, oh, this is different. Whereas the Rangers guys, I think. I'll kind of know that, yeah, there's some younger guys out there, but... This is basically you know. the same core that, you know, won the round last year. Like, this, they've yeah. kind of, they've got a year or two of that, and, I mean, you bring in bring in Tarasenko, bring in Patrick Kane, they have, you know, four cups between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I guess we'll move on now that we've extensively covered covered that one. So just to recap, you're going Devils in Devils how in many six. games? Devils in six, and I'm going Rangers in seven. Um, okay. Well, I guess we'll just move up the bracket here. Um, got Carolina, who won the Metro versus New York Islanders um, in uh, wild card number one. So um, I think this is the first time in a while that all the like using air quotes here but like new york teams have uh all made it yeah all together because yeah, the devils have only made it once in the last 10 seasons and tw- in that 2017 18 i think yeah and, and sorry buffalo i'm not counting you as a new york team even yeah. though you're in the state um so it's interesting um that you know reg- there was a high likelihood of either the rangers and the islanders playing which would have been a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> or you know the devils and the islanders or the devils and the rangers so this is kind of cool that it it works out that way um and so with this one um this one it it, it looks like an absolute wash like or uh, not a wash um absolute one-sided series on paper because like you look at this and you're like oh carolina's really really good islanders barely made it into playoffs let's go with carolina but it's a lot deeper than that it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, cause um, that, was, that, was, that was my first thought. I go and start putting together previews and, and content. I'm like, oh, looking at these rosters, like Carolina's good. They're strong. They've got a good system. They're going to wipe the Islanders like completely off the map. And then you kind of look like, oh, well, Carolina's missing Sveshnikov, who's kind of like a huge high event catalyst for their offense. Um, they're, the way that they play their offense isn't very conducive to a team that's going to get much production from it like they've had trouble with scoring and depth scoring for a little bit they they generate their offense through volume of shots and a lot of them are low quality from defenders and from the outside so they'll throw everything at the net but it's not very high quality very often and then you look at what the islanders can produce like they have a team that we know can shut down this is generally the same core for the islanders that you know, made the conference final two years in a row unexpectedly or whatever they did a few years back. And mm-hmm. now they have Ilya, or, yeah, Ilya Sorokin in net, who is one of the best goalies in the league. So if Carolina's just going to throw a whole bunch of muffins from the point at the goalie, like, the, one, are they even going to get through New York's defense? And two, how are they going to get past Sorokin? Yeah. You know, so ultimately this is actually my, this is my upset pick in the first round is hey. <laughs> is i i decided on this being the upset pick that the islanders are going to take this one that uh you know the the, the defender sebastian aho will beat the forward sebastian aho yeah um i i agree actually i this is one of my under i have two underdog picks um and this is one of them and um for yeah the sorokin factor i think that um he's been he's been good all year um whereas um you know like ranta and, and anderson are, are good goalies too but i just don't think that they've had the same level of consistency and then yeah like and you have to worry about injuries the islanders with them are, too. and the islanders are getting barzal back um who is like obviously a very key driver of their offense he's apparently he had like his first practice with the team in like months and he's like i'm ready to go <laughs> for game one so <laughs> mental fortitude maybe, through the roof <laughs> yeah yeah maybe um maybe that's like too fast and he's not completely ready um but i mean the islanders I don't know. 
they don't typically give him like 25 minutes of ice time a game anyways they all they'll, they're more likely to roll four lines anyways true yeah yeah and, and he's been out for a while and um he's like still their number two scorer of the season um but yeah i i, I agree i think that the islanders have a you know a pretty pretty solid um system and that the reason I want to give them the edge is that they've been p- the, the whole meaningful games mm-hmm. argument, right? Where they've been playing meaningful hockey, everything's been like a must-win for them, and they've they've been in it, and they've been winning, and they've been like, you know, kind of beating these challenges as a team coming in, and so they're already in playoff mode, and just like how nutty their fans are, <laughs> like, you know, they're they're gonna, I think they're gonna. They're gonna take it, and I I think it's gonna be Islanders and in, in six. I'm gonna uh, go yeah, with that. I've got and Islanders and seven. Also, also for the reason th- that the the Carolina Hurricanes have the golf the golf sponsor oh for their. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that. You sent that to me, and I burst out laughing. I replied um, to it on Twitter, I'm just, and I'm like, "You guys got somewhere else you want to be right now?" <laughs> yeah, like that's that's pretty dumb. Like, how do you not realize that that's uh. I'm pretty sure they, they oh they realized it. They know exactly <laughs> what they're doing. I I'm it's 90% stupid. sure that they went with it because it's just going to be content generation. Well, it's just like if you guys get knocked out like everyone Oh, gonna for sure it's going to be just <laughs> just stormy with tweets. Yeah. Going to get absolutely um, destroyed on Twitter if they if they lose in the first round here. Yeah. I hope that someone points to that like their helmet like, "Oh, you guys are going to go golfing." Yeah. Like <laughs> Somewhere yeah, in the handshake um, line, someone's just gonna do a do a nice head tap on the on the logo there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think this one is just like it's a, it's a huge underdog, and you know, um, just like yeah, Sorokin. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to add games. one thing onto you mentioned about the goalie difference between Carolina um, and New York, and about um, like Anderson Aranta being good. I think Carolina, the way that they play, makes goalies better than they are. Like, we've kind of seen it where goalies go into Carolina, they suddenly perform much better, and then they leave Carolina, and then they kind of regress a bit. I think the system yeah. Carolina plays amplifies what the goalie can do, just because they're kind of they're pretty good at, at preventing chances and stifling offense. So mm-hmm. we've seen Sorokin is good on his own. He doesn't necessarily need the system to make him good, but Carolina's goalies kind of need the system to make them good. So I think that's an important difference, too. That's a good point because yeah, there's there's so many goalies that have gone into Carolina, like even or like just started in Carolina, like Nedeljkovic, right? Like when he was playing, yep. everyone was like, "Oh my god, this guy's amazing!" And then he goes to Detroit, and it's like, "Well, yeah." And then Anderson struggles not quite and, there in yet. Toronto, goes to Carolina, and he's suddenly really good again. And Mrazek's really good in Carolina, Mrazek, goes to yeah. Toronto, and I mean between injuries, but he also wasn't very good. So it's yeah, there you know, there's something in Carolina's system that makes the goalies better than they are. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm probably not going to watch much of this series just because <laughs> I'm not like the the super running joke is that <laughs> um, somewhat one of at least one of these games is going to have like four overtimes because neither team can score right now, <laughs> and that's basically yeah. what I'm running with is that like Carolina's offense has been mediocre. New York isn't known for scoring anything, anyways. This is going to be like an absolute slog of a series, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if I'll really tune into any of it. Yeah, and I think like in a lower scoring series, like I think the Islanders do have the edge just because of the goaltending, right? Yeah. Like 
Sorokin can, can make that save that maybe Anderson or Ranta can't mm-hmm. and um, keep his, his keep his team in it. And, you know, kind of to, to go back to the meaningful games, like Carolina hasn't, they've been trying to get like, you know, home ice advantage, but like in the Metro and to, to be able to play the wild card rather than the other Metro team. But they lost some, some games. Like I think they, they got shut out by like Nashville. They lost to Buffalo. Um, you know, like they, they lost some, some games and so like they haven't really been in that same headspace yeah and so now coming in and now they got the golf sponsorship it's just like yeah you guys are (laughs) 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 you want to go hit the links um but i mean like brendan moore is a great coach so like he might he's probably getting the guys ready to go he'll get some veins popping out in his neck that'll motivate the guys yeah (laughs) yeah for sure um okay so we both we both picking the islanders in this one just yeah different number of games um, okay, and now the uh, the battle of the blue and white here, um, the the Atlantic matchup that's been known for forever. Um, Toronto and Tampa Bay are doing a rematch, um, number two and three seed, and uh, this one I think could be like last year was like one of the best matchups of the playoffs, and they were like almost identical in stats. It was crazy how close they were. And, like, I think most of the games went to overtime or, like, just one goal games. Um, so they're they're going back head-to-head, and they actually played each other, like, what was it, the second-to-last game of the season or something, yep. or the last game? And, it, like, it had that playoff intensity. Oh, for sure. Um, and there was, like, a bunch of fights and stuff, so it's like they don't like each other. They're <laughs> facing each other again. Um, uh, it's... It's going to be the age-old question. Is Toronto going to be able to get out of the first round? I think a few weeks ago I would have said yes. But now that their goalies are becoming like a, are they healthy or not? Like, I think that's a real, real question mark. And I don't know. Uh, so I, I was going to pick Toronto because I want to see them get on and I want to see them you know, get through and, but with their goalie situation, I don't know if it's, if they're gonna, so I'm, I'm going to pick Tampa in, in, and I think Tampa in seven, cause I, you know, Toronto can't lose unless it's seven games. <laughs> they just, they just, they gotta make it close. What, what are you going to do? Um, I mean, one of these years, Toronto, like Toronto has to win one of these years that you can, you can only lose you know how many is it now six straight seasons in the first round they lose <laughs> one of one of these times they have to win eventually so why not this year <laughs> i think um toronto's been better they added a lot of valuable pieces at the deadline um the goalie the goalie point you make is really making me reconsider that in comparison to tampa bay's lineup but it's it's kind of like uh, one of these years they have to band together and win. They're getting into the playoffs playing well, whereas Tampa Bay has been, quite frankly, atrocious for the last month and a half. They're going into the playoffs 4-6-0 and oh in their last 10 games. They've had major yeah. issues with their lineup. They've you know they lost five or six straight games at one point. Um, it, they haven't been looking good, and that whole fatigue argument keeps popping up in, in you know, insider circles like, this is a team that's had three consecutive cup final runs. And at the, you know, at what point do they start getting worn out and fatigued from the constant long season? So mm-hmm. it looks like maybe this is the year that they finally do that. 
But on the other hand, this is also an experienced team where they're going to know what it takes in the playoffs and they should be able to find another gear. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay wins, but I'm going to pick the Leafs in seven. Yeah, last year I picked the Leafs and I almost did it. Um, And it's just like, you know, like, it really is the goalie thing. If it was, if the goalies were healthy for Toronto, I would pick them for the reasons that you said. Like I think they they made some good additions. They look really good. You know, they've added a lot of depth. They added Ryan O'Reilly. They added a bunch of defense. Like they look like they're ready. But um, Sorok or not Sorokin, Samsonov missed last game like for some reason undisclosed, and he's looked like he's hurt. Um, and yeah, Murray's I think that hurt. was that one game. I was they had the uh, amateur tryout guy on the bench, and there was a save yeah. he made where he went down and then he stayed down for a few seconds, and it took him a while to get up. And this was right at the end of the season. It looked yeah. like he was hurt, so there is that huge question of of health to to worry about. Yeah, like it's it's real, and like if they're gonna if they're gonna have Wall as the goalie, like, well, technically a Wall should do to... pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, he has been, like, good for them, but he is not experienced. So I think. I mean, you wouldn't take Joseph Wall over Andre Vasilevsky? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Find me one person who's not a Leafs absolute tryhard who would, right? Like, the best goalie in the league or (laughs) Joseph Wall? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I just think, like, that's. Vasilevsky's just the guy. Yeah. Like he's he's gonna stop. He can he can stop Matthews and everybody on the Leafs, right? Well, but if if your if your goalie situation's like you know questionable and shaky, like how are you gonna hold up against Stamkos, Kucherov, Point? No, and like and like let's not pr- let's not forget that Samsonov isn't a great playoff goalie already too. Like in his time in Washington. He was like asleep. He he had that overtime blunder, like he he he's obviously playing really good for the Leafs this year. But like in playoffs for the Capitals, he was not good. Mm-hmm. So, like even if he is healthy, it's like okay, like okay, Ilya, are you gonna be ready to go here or not? And so already that that issue, and then if he's got some sort of injury, he's dealing with. I don't know, man. I th- I don't think that it's going to be good enough to beat Tampa Bay for yeah. you know, Kucherov, Stamkos, like Hedman. Um, I just I just don't know. Even if Tampa well, Bay's not running on like a hundred percent, like they're still a, a yeah super experienced team that can find ways to win. You know, they got Braden Point had like a career. Oh yeah, year. he had, he. Um, I didn't realize he had fifty goals in the regular season. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize that. And then you factor in like he is the last few years. He's been one of those guys that just steps it up in the playoffs. So like a massive playoff performer for them when he's in yeah. the lineup. I think so he missed like, a bunch of last year. But um, you get a fifty goal regular season on a playoff performer who's going to step in and and be even better. Like that's going to be huge for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, like if if the they come out today and say, or like when's when's the first game in the series? Uh, Monday to, tomorrow. To, Oh wait, I don't know so, about the series actually. Playoff starts tomorrow. That's all I know. If they if they if they come out and say like that they don't play till Tuesday. So if they don't if they come out and say like yeah, Murray's healthy, Samsonov's healthy, I don't think anyone's gonna believe them. <laughs> but if they are, 
I think they have a real shot at winning, and they they could definitely take the series. But because we don't know, I I got, I got to take Tampa. I think it's the safe safe bet. Yeah. Even though I don't like Tampa Bay, and I would prefer the Leafs to win. I don't That's want either much. of these teams to win. <laughs> <laughs> but um, although I think I do want Toronto to win, so that they they're like finally we get it out of the first round and then they meet boston <laughs> yeah. in the round, and, and then they like, get stomped by boston <laughs> <laughs> well you know like i think you and i've been talking about this elsewhere that it seems like a lot of these teams that have one of these you know biggest rival teams that they need to get through eventually to win the cup like that's boston for the leaps and one of these years are going to have mm-hmm. to do it like um the big yeah. one was uh washington getting through pittsburgh you know that type of that type of thing where it's like they keep losing to Boston. Well, eventually you're gonna have to like you know slay the beast or whatever. Yeah, it's um, it felt like the Stanley Cup beating Pittsburgh felt probably on par with mm-hmm. winning the cup because it was just like finally yeah. we beat these guys. Like it took so many times, and it's like that Chicago Vancouver, right? Like Chicago kept beating Vancouver over and over and over again in, in playoffs, and then finally. You know, Alex Burroughs scored that goal and they slayed the dragon and they get past Chicago and they end up going to the, f- the finals. They didn't win, but like they got past it yeah. and like that propelled them through, you know, the next few. Um, so it's definitely, I think if Toronto is going to make a, make a run, it's going to feel so much sweeter going through Boston because it's like we beat those guys finally. Yeah. So I would love to see that. I'd um, love to see Toronto go through Boston, but. I don't know, man. <laughs> One last little point to. for Toronto, pardon me, is they're going to have a little bit of, like, frantic energy, probably. A little bit of um, just urgency. Because it sounds like there's a chance this is kind of the end of the run, the end of the time, or the end of the chance for uh, Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keith. that eventually it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you guys haven't found a way to get the team over the hump now it's time for a change because like how many consecutive seasons can you have the same result and, and not, you know, make a change. And you look at the yeah. amount of moves that Dubas made at the deadline. He's just trying to like bring as much as he can in with no real regard for the future. If he, maybe there's a chance he's not coming back mm-hmm. and uh, unrelated, but it sounds like, the opening in Pittsburgh, the new ownership group in Pittsburgh really wants to make a push for Dubas if he doesn't stay in Toronto. So this could be the last chance for, for Dubas and Keefe, which that sense of urgency is going to fall down a bit on the players and, and in the locker room. That could be a factor where the Leafs are just playing with some some frantic energy compared to the, the Lightning that might be a little bit fatigued that the uh, Leafs could get a bit of an advantage and, and get some control of the pace. If uh, if that's what's happening behind the scenes, yeah, it it could also go the other way where it's too much pressure. Yeah, right. Like it's too much too sword. much nervous energy that just kind of like impacts the game in a negative way. That could that could really yeah. really happen too. But I think you're right to point that out that it's it it is very much a last attempt, you know, especially if they lose in round one. Yeah. I think they're they got to change it something, like whether that's, you know captain C or whether that's coach or whether that's everything like GM so yeah we'll see I think if the Leafs are out round one there's going to be a lot of finger pointing mm-hmm. yeah Um, but it is my sincere hope that they do make it further I just I like I just 
I don't, I'm not like a, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the Leafs, but like I've got a soft spot for them. And like, well, at a certain it, point, it you just start feeling bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, as like a Capitals fan, it's like the old joke, like, oh, you guys can't make a past second round. It's like, you know, when teams are going through that, it's like, oh, I have to, I've been there as a fan and I get it. And Toronto fans have been there since like, you know, forever. So yeah. it's like, I, I do want them to, to move on. And I think it'd be, it'd be fun to see them go in the finals and see how Toronto would go crazy. Like, um, yeah, I almost don't want that to happen know. just because I don't want the elitism that's going to come with it. <laughs> like we deal with we deal with enough of the Toronto sports media network in in the rest of Canada. I don't want to see what happens when they're actually succeeding. Well, I didn't say win. <laughs> I just said in the finals, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I I do think that like they need to they need to win now or they're gonna they're gonna shake it up yeah. pretty majorly. Oh yeah. Um. So anyway, we'll we'll move on. Um, unless you have anything else to, to throw in there for either team. No. Um, to, to the the Boston Bruins, the historically good Boston Bruins versus the Wild Card 2's Florida Panthers. <laughs> Sorry, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I I think Boston's going to win. <laughs> A fucking flawed uh, take there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, um, I don't... Uh, I think that's a risky take, but uh, I think Boston's going to win. Um, and I think they're going to – maybe Florida will win one game. Like, So I don't think it's going to be a sweep, but I'm going to say Bruins in, in five. And I just think that the Bruins are just too good. And I know that that's a kind of a dangerous statement because, you know, Tampa got swept when they were on pace or when they were on par with uh, the Detroit Red Wing absolute wagon team. Um, but – it's just hard to see, like, you know, the Bruins had, like, Olmark, who's probably going to win the Vezina. Um, they made their defense even better. Um, they've got an absolute crazy goal differential. They've got, like, Pasternak, who's had an unbelievable season. And if McDavid didn't exist, I think um, Pasternak could be um, MVP this year just because when all the guys were out for them, he was just – he put the team on his yeah. back. This is This is a um, team that – like it's in that rare situation where they have two players that I would give MVP votes to. Like that's that's how good and deep they are, and like Pasternak and Allmark. That like I would actually give Allmark an MVP vote just because of how good his numbers are individually. Yeah. And then Pasternak goes and has I think he had sixty one goals. Yeah, just nuts. Just uh, amazing. Yeah, and they've been good all year. Like they haven't taken their foot off the pedal. So, but they have you know, like one three-game losing streak or something. <laughs> yeah, and like they, I remember, like the interviews were like, man, like they all look so sad. Yeah, like, they, they were all like, "This isn't who we are." Blah blah blah. And it's like, <laughs> okay, guys, like it's like you're like forty-five <laughs> three and one in a season. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> yeah, and just like you know, they have home ice advantage, and they've been so good at home, um, and um, they'll have it throughout playoffs. Like I just think it's it's going to be really hard to top them, um, and just how deep they are. Like they're just so so good, and yeah. like they're like Swayman's been been good too. Um, so I think it's really hard to, to to really find a credible argument for f- how Florida's going to beat them. But Florida has been playing meaningful games. They just squeaked into playoffs. Um, they've had some clutch wins. You know, Matthew Kachuk's been playing like a man possessed. So 
if they're gonna if they're gonna have any chance at beating them, I think you know Matthew Kachuk um, is gonna have to just keep being who he is, and Carter Verhage has got to keep the goal scoring up. La- last year he scored a shit ton of goals against the Capitals, um, and he was really good. And he he had a what like forty plus goal season for Hagee. Um, yeah, I think he had, I quietly. Think he had 40. Um, and, uh, I mean, anything's possible in hockey, but I think that Boston's gonna, gonna take it. What about you? You know, I, I think I have to, uh, I think I have to go with Boston as well. Just, <laughs> it just seems yeah. like the most likely outcome, you know? <laughs> no, I think <laughs> I'm right on par with you. I don't like predicting a sweep. I think this is the likely series that's going to be a sweep if there is if there is one, but I think it's also plausible that Florida does take a game in the middle of the series. I go Boston in five. Mm-hmm. Um, the only real factor that I can see playing in Florida's advantage is if Matthew Kinchuk can just be that weird that that pest energy momentum changing that player that he can be, and somehow swing things in Florida's favor, because. This is going to sound really another testament to how good Boston is, but Florida and Ottawa were the the two best teams against the Bruins in the regular season. They went two and two against them. Mm -hmm. So Boston had an over, had like a 500 or better record against every single team in the league over the regular season. So, I mean, technically, if any team's going to beat Boston more than once in this, even once or more than once in this series, it's probably going to be the Panthers. But looking at the lineup, like every single position is just the Bruins have such a massive advantage. Um, the Panthers' defense and goaltending, their defense especially is bad. Like, they don't really have much of a defensive defending core anymore now that, especially mm-hmm. now that Uyghur's gone. So you look at Boston being the, sec- like a, the second or third highest scoring team in the league in the regular season. Like, they're just going to walk right through Florida. You know, Boston's, Boston's got one of the deepest offensive teams in the league. The Panthers have maybe one good pairing. And two of their best defenders, I think, like Montour and, and Forsling, are more offensive guys this season anyways. Mm-hmm. So this this just seems like it's going to go everything in Boston's favor. Like, there might be a weird random game where whoever, I'm assuming Bobrovsky gets the start in, in the Panthers' net, but Alex Lyon's also been pretty good lately. So, yeah, I think he's been starting all their games yeah. down the stretch, hasn't he? Like, that's, that's what I think's been happening, so... There might be a game where whoever starts in net for Florida has a really good game and they win like two one or something, but uh, there there there's just not much going in Florida's favor on this one. So Boston and five. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think there's much else to say really. Like, yeah, it, anything's possible. Like Columbus proved that when they beat Tampa Bay a few years ago, but <clears throat> I don't think that. Uh, you know, Patrice Bergeron would let that happen. <laughs> Just the leader that he is. Yeah. I think that, I think that. They're oh, and, too good. and that's the other factor or another factor anyways, is just the locker room that Boston has that it's hard to really compare what Florida has put together right now with having that massive core shake up, you know, three coaches over a calendar year, mm-hmm. you know, compared to Boston. Yeah. They changed their coach, but that seemed to be something that worked out for the better. Yeah. And they've had the same core players. A lot of depth turnover, but the same core players have been there creating such a good core in that locker room that it's just 
you know they're they're going to have each other's backs. They're going to be able to motivate each other. They're going to walk into the series ready to go. Yeah, they just have such a complete lineup, Boston. Like top to bottom, they're really just yeah complete team. Now is and actually one thing I just remembered is Omar hurt because he got hurt at the end of the season and missed a game. Yeah, I don't know if he was hurt or if he just didn't play. But if he is hurt, that that's a huge deal but like Swayman has been really good too exactly. so I don't think it's quite the same level of alarm as um, Toronto okay so um, a few days ago and Jim Montgomery said it's just precautionary he's going to be fine just some muscle tightening so he should be okay for game okay. one yeah and you know I think in this case say Boston had no goalies then they had to use like Keith Kincaid Boston's such a good team that I think they could probably like know probably overcome that whereas i don't know if toronto could just because of the, di- the difference in roster boston could put systems and boston could put a zamboni driver in the net and i'd probably still pick them <laughs> <laughs> yeah david ayers <laughs> like that's that's how good toronto the, would the lose yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's their secret weapon if they get to round two against toronto is uh, throw david ayers yeah. in that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so we're we're in alignment then basically on that one till Boston's going to make it through. Um, we're a little different in, in the Toronto series and then the other ones were um, also split. Um, where we pick, so we both picked Boston. You picked Toronto. I picked Tampa. We both picked the Islanders. You picked the Devils and I picked the Rangers. So we'll see. I think last year we had like a hundred percent alignment. We were pretty <laughs> close last year. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, let's go the opposite direction here in the West. Um, let's start with Colorado and uh, Seattle. So Colorado was first in the Central, and uh, Seattle got wildcard one. So this is Seattle's first playoff appearance, and they they are fortunate enough to get the reigning Stanley Cup champions as their first matchup. Um, so what do you think that is going to happen in this one? Yeah, this uh, this isn't the ideal you know, entry into the playoffs for the Kraken to go against a team like the Avalanche. But um, just looking at this matchup, it's going to be a hell of a series to watch. This is going to be one of the fun ones. Like, this is one we should all be watching because of how these teams play. We've got the Avalanche, who they've struggled at times this season. They had major issues scoring for the first half of the year, and they look like they were even at the playoffs at one point. But then McKinnon comes back. They suddenly, their you know, scoring troubles go away. And they end up winning the division, being like the third best team in the league after Christmas. But that's also a bit concerning that so much of their success is dependent on one player. And it's kind of like that those years before they got to the cup final, when they were so top heavy that you know they shut down the top line in the in the playoffs and they lose, even though they had such a good team. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the roster's kind of hitting back to that stage, which kind of bodes well for Seattle where they don't have a top scoring, a top star, top scoring player. They've got Jared McCann, who had 70 points. I think Vince Dunn in the high 60s. Those are their top scoring players, which is, you know, good numbers. But they, you know, Jared McCann and Vince Dunn aren't Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. Like, there's this huge difference in star power and roster quality there that the Avalanche just should be able to prey on. But the Kraken also have the deepest scoring team in the league. That every single lineup regular, aside from Carson Soucy, had 20 points on the season. I think all of their – I can't remember if it was the, the – no, that was Edmonton that had the 10-goal scores. 
but it's like the deepest offensive team in the league in terms of 20 point scorers like all four lines can contribute they play a very quick um a very quick attack style this was something that they had they had brought in a whole bunch of players over the offseason like oliver bjorkstrand daniel sprong um who else was it there just they they claimed tolvin yeah and tolvin it was another one all of these players who are just finishers that they shoot they score and they bring in all these guys and suddenly their offense improves by 60 goals year over year and that's basically what all of those players scored is like that difference in goals so these guys are important for them that gives them scoring threats on three lines probably and that's something the avalanche don't necessarily have when you're looking at their lineup that they might have a scoring line and a second line that's pretty good but they don't have that type of roster depth now the avalanche are also an absurdly fast team that should be able to prey on a larger physical seattle defense they might not be like terribly immobile but like adam larson jamie alexiak will borgen they're all kind of like more physical defensive defenders i think so the avalanche with their speed they should be able to get around it i think um seattle's goaltending is going to be a major issue that they have <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that yeah it's, it's gonna come up it's <laughs> it's less of an issue this season but all three of their goalies who played this year had a negative goal saved above expected you know i think it's martin jones and philip grubauer are the pairing or the tandem right now and you know both of them are decent they made most of the saves that they needed to but they weren't stealing games for the kraken and colorado <laughs> they should be able to prey on that and i think ultimately the mm. abs take this one pretty easily um i go abs in five yeah, I would I would agree with all those points. I think that um yeah, I mean Colorado's definitely like a pretty pretty top heavy team. Um and they've had some some pretty significant injury issues this season which kind of skews some of their their roster stats a bit, like where they went through huge stretches where like everyone on the team was hurt. Um and so them being good down like the tail end of this of the season makes sense because if people were coming back Whereas, like, Miko Rantanen was basically, like, on a line with, like, what, like, JT Comfer and, like... Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez like, or something. That's, and like that's their the first season. line. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, you know, so... <coughs> it, that that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's, it's not good. I think, yeah, I think just that the... They haven't had a whole lot of roster turnover. Like, they have a pretty pretty much the same team. But uh, Georgiev is, is new. Um, and they lost and important players like Burakovsky and Kadri too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Landis Cog is not going to be playing in playoffs at all. Yeah. So it's a, I guess now like having said that they are a bit different of a team, but they still have Rantanen and McKinnon and Nakar. Um. So those guys are pretty pretty damn good. So we'll see. I'll be able to keep those guys at bay especially on the power play i'm not sure but georgiev's been good this season but he's been good against like good teams and like bad against bad teams so um this will be his like first playoffs as a starter um so he could be a bit of a wild card but i i think i think colorado will just be too much for seattle to to handle and i think i think seattle might win a game at home um their first ever playoff, you know, berth. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you with Colorado in five. 
I think they're just going to be too too much. Yeah, I think too much experience and just too strong of a team. Yeah, like assuming the Avalanche are healthy, because I know McCarr has been missing time here and there. McKinnon mm-hmm. was hurt earlier in the season, but he seems fine since. But like, say one of them gets hurt in the early in the series, like if if even just one of them's out of the lineup, that swings every that swings a lot in Seattle's favor. Yeah, but um, yeah. And I don't think Seattle will upset this one, but I also think it'd be an interesting to watch, interesting one to watch, just in case, because the the amount of finishing talent that Seattle has could turn things very quickly in their favor. Yeah, and I think Seattle won the um, regular season matchup, um, where they I think they were like two zero and one. Yeah, two zero and one. Colorado was one one and one. So, so they f- so they forced into overtime, at least every game, um, but. I don't know when those matchups were because they could have played them when Colorado had like everyone hurt. Exactly. Um, so I don't know if we put too much real faith in that, but you know, it's not like Seattle is a terrible team. Like it's not like Colorado's going to like bulldoze them, but I think it'd be really awesome to see Seattle win this. Just, yeah, you know what? Our first ever playoff berth, we knocked out the, the, the champs. Exactly. Like, that'd be pretty cool. That would be a um, great story and a great momentum great momentum for the team and for the organization yeah just be your real win like we're the most improved um expansion team in in nhl history in terms of points you know like they i think they they went from what like 60 to 100 points to 100 yeah um they had they had their first ever 40 goal scorer like they had they had a pretty cool season and it would be cool to see them keep it going with their first ever playoff win but yeah, they're they're goaltending. I don't know if I don't know if Grubauer's revenge on the the Avalanche is gonna be enough. He to, he doesn't uh, have very good playoff numbers in the past, anyways. No, and I just yeah, <sighs> Martin Jones like th- like these guys both have a sub nine hundred save percentage on the season. Like Nathan McKinnon is gonna tear that apart. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So yeah, um, okay. So Colorado, move on to. One of the teams that I'm rooting for in this playoffs is Dallas. Number two, Central versus number three, Minnesota Wild. Um, this is this is the real battle of the North Stars. Hey, um, I think they've I think they met what like a few years ago. Uh, like twenty fifteen sixteen. Oh, so it's been it's been a while. And teams are probably pretty pretty different. Yeah, other than Jamie um, Ben, I don't Jamie Ben and maybe Se- and probably Sagan, I guess. Yeah, but I think I think and then on the wild like is anyone even left? When did Brodeen and Spurgeon get there? Basically, Dumba, yeah. Dumba maybe. So I don't know when he was drafted though. Yeah. Um, I I'm gonna go Dallas on this one. Dallas and six. Um, I think that Dallas's offense is gonna be a little too much for Minnesota, and um, Dallas has been a one of the really good team all season. Um, and uh their goaltending is just is just really good with Ottinger. Mind you, you know, Flurry and Gustafson have been good as well. Yeah, Gustafson um, is the second best goalie in the league. Uh of goalies with more than twenty five games, he's like second best in say percentage goals against average. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been really good for them this year. Um Ottinger has he's been really good in playoffs. Obviously last year he was lights out and he's been making some huge saves down down the stretch here. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Dallas looks like a pretty, pretty strong team. You know, their power play is pretty good. Their penalty kill is pretty good. Um, 
they've got speed, they've got good defense, um, whereas Minnesota, um, Kaprizov has come back, but he hasn't looked like 100% since coming back from his injury, um, and they've, they've got a little bit of depth issues, I think, that might be an issue in playoffs, like, while Kaprizov was out, like, Boldy did, was, like, lights out, um, and Marcus Johansson has actually been a really good addition for them, um, but... I just don't know if, besides Kaprizov and, like, Boldy, like, if if they get shut down, like, is Minnesota going to be able to, to really steal some of these games? I'm not sure. <coughs> so I'm going to pick Dallas. Um, how about you? I've got the exact same Dallas and six. Um, basically the exact reason that this is going to be one of those series that's probably going to be very low scoring, a typical Minnesota stereotypical Dallas even though that's not the trend this season for the Stars is they've had the best offensive season they've had in like 30 years or something um, but that's the main differentiating factor for me is the Wilds offense that Dallas has a good offensive core they've got that line of Robertson Hintz and Pavelski that is composed so well that they are all 70 plus point scorers Robertson had 109 points and then they also have a little bit of depth with Jamie Benn having that late career resurgence and Miro Haskinen mm-hmm. having a 70-point season as well. So Dallas can score from a few different places in the lineup. Minnesota can score from one. That they had a few players who had 60 points. I think it was Kaprizov, Boldy, Erickson Eck had 60 points. And then everyone else was like 30 at the most. So all Dallas has to do is shut down Kaprizov and suddenly they don't have any threats to score really shut down one line and the other three are barely going to do anything and Dallas then has Jake Ottinger to shut down the rest that is just I don't see Minnesota being able to score more than five or six goals in the series honestly um like you said if Kaprizov especially isn't looking particularly healthy then that's just immediately putting the wilds in in you know dire straits trying to figure out how to win the series now it's going to be really low scoring the other way too, probably because Minnesota has two of the better underrated defenders in the league in Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodin, who are incredible defensively at shutting down and stifling play. And then like you talked mm-hmm. about too, the, the goaltending tandem has been really good. Uh, Philip Gustafson's come out of nowhere and had one of the best seasons in the league as a goalie. So they should be able to stifle Dallas as well. But, um, I just don't see Minnesota being able to outscore Dallas. And it's got a, it's it leans heavily in Dallas's favor for that reason. So I've got Dallas in 6 as well. Yeah. Yeah, and Minnesota's coming a little bit cold into playoffs too. They haven't been winning lately either. So something to to keep in mind as well. But yeah, I think I think that like they're both pretty well defensive teams, but Dallas has the edge in scoring. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um and so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think I think the stars have got the got the edge in this one. Uh, move on to Vegas versus Winnipeg. Um, so uh, I'll just jump ahead here. This is my other underdog pick. <laughs> I I like the Jets in this. Um, they they were one of the best teams in the league for quite a while they were like number one in the west and then they really sucked and they started turning it back around and um i i I, vegas on the other hand um has got 
a bit of a bit of a question mark for goalies like they had a bit of a carousel this year um and think logan thompson is is their their guy to start um but like he's pretty pretty green um and i think that the jets experience and just how good their defense has been um and and connor hellebuck um i think give them the edge um so if if the winnipeg jets can keep their offense up i think that they take it like if kyle connor keeps playing really good and if shifley can kind of i guess keep some of the offense going like their their major players were really bad when they were losing um but at the end of the season they it looked like they were starting to put it t- together again um so i i pick them um and like do you know if uh, mark stone is coming back um the expectation is mark stone and zach whitecloud are back for game one wow okay that makes so they difference. were practicing in, in they were practicing in full contact jerseys i think as of yesterday as of saturday and the expectation is they're both back. Okay. Um, Which, she, that changes things thing a lot, too. <laughs> I'm just looking at a thing here that says Bossois might be the guy for starting for Vegas. Weird, but okay. Um, let's see. Is there an injury? Is Thompson hurt? Mm, I don't know. Anyway, I, I just think that their goalies are a little, a little bit of a wild card for them. Um, but... Uh, Maybe this is just hopeful, wishful thinking for me that the Jets make it through. But um, Hellebuck's been an absolute monster before, and their defense has been so good that I just think that um, you know they're gonna they're gonna eke it out um, in a tough series. I think it's it's gonna be a good one to watch. Like, um, just I think this is a this is a good matchup. Um, <coughs> It'll be a good one, not in in. Oh, like it's gonna be an offensive firestorm no, or yeah, defensive wizardry, like a... but it's like it's gonna be a good system series. I think like mm-hmm. you know, Bonus is a defensive coach, but he's also a very like analytical coach. I think I think the teams that he coaches play with a very strong system and you know certain ways of playing, and Vegas plays with a very strong system as well. So it's gonna be an interesting, more like a chess match series rather than you know exciting, you know, offensive mm-hmm. or you know say boring defensive but it'll just be an interesting chess match yeah yeah i think like i've talked about this a lot but like the desperation down the line like the jets have have turned it around and like they've been forced to like win right and so they've had they've had a big battle already just to get into playoffs like and just we saw earlier in the season that they were a a really good team and i think that they've they've kind of come back to that um so that's that's why i'm picking them who are you going with um, this is my second most likely underdog series, but not enough that I'm going to take the Jets. So I picked the Golden Knights. I'm actually taking them in five games. Ooh. Um, that was kind of like a, a bold take is that I think the Golden Knights end this one pretty quickly. Um, I agree with the, the thought that like, I think the Jets are a much better team on paper than they played, and I think they're a much better team on paper than the Golden Knights. But just the way that they've been playing, and I don't quite think the coaching system is really working for the team as well as it mm-hmm. might need to for them to succeed. But that being said, maybe that's just the way that they succeed in the playoffs, so who knows. But I do think the Golden Knights take the series pretty quickly. 
um that slump that the Jets went in where that they almost lost their playoff spot I think they're still in that a little bit they weren't they weren't blowing anyone out of the water at the end of the season and uh you know players like Shifley and Wheeler looked pretty disjointed disinterested like they were out of the game for large portions of it even though Mm -hmm. even though Shifley still managed to put up like 18 points in 27 games in that in that stretch um he had like a stretch where there's like one or two assists in nine games, which for a player like him, who's consistent, who's one of the most consistent 80 point scorers in the league. Like that's, that's a huge drop. Um, the, the way that the jets have been playing this season with that defense first style with bonus. First off, I don't think they're that much better defensively than the golden Knights in, in just in even just goals against on the season the jets gave up one fewer goal than the golden Knights in the regular season considering everything that the Golden Knights had with their injuries, with their goalies, missing Mark Stone, and the Jets did, did that with Hellebuck playing as well as he did. I don't think that difference mm-hmm. is as substantial as it might be otherwise. But um, the Golden Knights' biggest weakness is that goalie carousel they had where no one was able to take the reins, all the goalies were hurt, and they played like five different goalies, and they're rotating through four of them at the end of the season. Is Boness going to let the offensive players of the Jets loose a little bit so they could go and take advantage of that? Because that's going to be how the Jets win. But will mm. he will he recognize that enough to be like, okay, Shifley, Connor, Ehlers, Wheeler, go and like take advantage of this goalie who's typically a backup but is playing starting role, who missed half yeah, the season. <laughs> exactly. Who <laughs> who missed half the season or is Jonathan Quick and is like the worst goalie in the league this season. Is he going to let those players yeah. do that? Because that's how the Jets are going to win. But if he doesn't, then Vegas has the advantage in the series in a big way because they just have a strong system. They're getting Mark Stone back to shut down that defense. I just, I don't see this as the right year for the Jets, which is unfortunate because they are so good on paper. If, if they had played better through the end of the season, through the latter half of it, this would be their series. But I just don't see it going their way this time around. Yeah, they're kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type team, right? It's like, mm-hmm. which which team is going to be here? Is it going to be the number one in the West team, or is it going to be wildcard? Yeah. <laughs> wildcard two. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm banking on them showing up, but it could very well they don't, and Vegas steamrolls them, like you said. So, um, yeah, um, I hope hopefully the Jets make it through. Um, so we'll move on to... The one that I specifically <laughs> kept for last, <laughs> which is Edmonton Oilers versus the LA Kings, another rematch. Um, so, I'll let you go first on this one. Do you are you gonna vote confident? Are you gonna have a vote of confidence for the Oilers, or are you gonna pick the other team like you usually do, just so you don't get too cocky? I am picking the other team like I usually do, partly cause so I don't get too cocky, <laughs> and partly because <laughs> it just seems like the right pick this time around. Um. It's hard. Okay, listen. It's hard to pick against Edmonton because they've basically been the best team in the league since the middle of January. They've been even better mm-hmm. than Boston since the middle of January. But at what point does the hot streak end? You know, this this Kings team. Like this is a rematch from last year. It took Edmonton seven games to beat them last year. It looked like the first couple of games after the first two or three games. It looked like the series was going to go LA's way. Edmonton finally took it to seven games and they won. It took. You know, it took that much to get again to get through that team that was in their first playoff appearance with that core. The Kings have only gotten better this season. They have two Selkie caliber forwards 
in in Andre Kopitar and Philip Deneau, which is very good to counter two extremely talented offensive lines led by McDavid and Dreisaitl. And the team's better than last year. Now, they also have Jonas Corposalo in net now. And if I'm remembering correctly, Corposalo has for some reason just been absurdly good against the Oilers in the past. And uh, that could be another factor as well. I think this one goes Kings in seven. It's going to be a long series because these are two really good teams. It's going to be a hard-fought series. Like There is actually a really good rivalry forming here um, based off when these teams play each other. There's been two years in a row now. Oilers and Kings play a late regular season game. That is just the most playoff atmosphere you will find in the regular season. I think Edmonton took that uh, that one game 2-0. It was like their first shutout of the season or something. And, you know, it's 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 kind of going to be like, can the Kings shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl just enough? I mean, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins all had 100 points this season. First time a team's done that since 95-96, having 300-point scorers on the same team. It's It looks like on paper this should be the Oilers. But I also mm-hmm. think the Kings have a bit of an advantage in a couple of areas that um, will play in their favor. But uh, I'm picking Oilers. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say one, one, a couple of final things for the Oilers is just the, uh, I mean, they set the record for the best power play in, you know, recorded history since they started tracking that as a stat. I think like 35% or something. Yeah, it was like 33, 34%. Something absolutely absurd. Um, the Kings have a you know bottom ten PK I think they're they're seventy five percent yeah seventy five percent penalty kill Oilers obviously are going to take advantage of that and the Kings also I think they were top five or top seven or something in uh, shorthanded opportunities or power play opportunities against so they take a lot of penalties they take a lot of minor penalties and they have a bad penalty kill that plays very yeah. well into Edmonton's favor um, Edmonton's goaltending and defense are so much improved from last season in in terms of just the stability in the positions um stewart mm-hmm. skinner's been much better than koskinen and and mike smith were last year it's it's got to be stewart skinner getting the main start he's basically been their starter for the last two months and uh yeah that addition of ekholm i think the team was like 17 2 and 1 since they tr- since they got ekholm at yeah. the trade deadline something like that yeah he basically gives them the addition of one player gives them two top pairings now because it takes so much pressure off a nurse and CC on on you know what is you know maybe in the roster depth chart the number one pairing, but in reality, Echo and Bouchard is the number one pairing for how well they play. Nurse and CC are the second pairing, but uh, it takes so much pressure off a nurse and CC that they don't have to be everything for the entire defensive all the tough matchups. They don't have to take them all. Echo and Bouchard can take mm-hmm. them and. It does so much for the depth and for the roster utilization to be able to split the split the duties like that. And uh, yeah, looking at the Oilers' depth scoring, it's as good as it's ever been. I think they had either the most or the second most ten goal scorers in the league, which is huge because that's been such an issue for the team in in recent years. Where if the goal wasn't scored by McDavid or Drysaddle, it probably didn't happen. So to have a whole bunch of other players being able to contribute just that little bit so that you can put out the third and fourth lines and and have them accomplish more than just not giving up a goal. If they can actually go out and maybe do something themselves, like that's that's huge for being able to match up against a deeper team like the Kings. <clears throat> yeah. I um I'm picking Oilers in 5. Ooh, I think quick that's, series. Um, they're going to they're going to win um because as you mentioned, power play 
um, obviously we talked about how it's been there's not as many calls in uh, playoffs. It, we've seen that specifically for McDavid. You know, he gets harassed all game. Um, it's just like, when do they call? When do they not? Um, but the fact that the Oilers have such a wagon of a power play and the Kings suck so bad on the penalty kill, I think that that's going to be a huge difference maker. Um, and the fact that the Kings might not have Fiala or Velarde going in, um, Fiala's missed quite a bit of time at the end of the season. He's probably their best scorer. Um, I mean, Kempe's been on fire at the end of the season, so he could maybe make that up. But if the Oilers are able to shut him down, then, you know, like, that's just one less guy to worry about. Um, and then Velarde's had a good good um, season as well scoring. Um, so I think I don't think L.A. is going to be as as good as they've been in this series because the Oilers are just that much better. Um, I think it's going to be really hard for LA to shut down every every weapon that the Oilers have. Yeah, I mean, um, there's there's four know. really big ones this season: McDavid, Drysdale, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman. And then, depending yeah. how Kane's feeling, that you know that makes five. Yeah, yeah, Kane's been been good. Um, he hasn't been very uh, impactful since he got back from various injuries. But he's still he's still a threat because he's more than just a scorer for the team. Well, yeah, he plays he plays a physical game. Um, you know, he, him and Hyman can park in front of the net. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at, you know, if 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 Kane can't shoot, he can at least park in front of the net. Yeah, and and, right? be and play there. a body. Um, but yeah, I just I just think that the the offense is going to be too hard for LA to stifle. Um. And yeah, if Skinner if Skinner's the guy, um, I think that it's it's probably a bit of a wash in net. Um, you know, Corpusalo's been been good, um, but again, you park a guy like Hyman in front of him, like you know, if you can't you can't stop what you can't see, um, and the, the Oilers' power play has been so good all year. It's just put Hyman in front of the net, let him block the shot or. Um, block the vision of the goalie. Yeah, I was going to say, don't block the shots like, on the power play. <laughs> block the vision, block the, the goalie being able to see the shot, yeah. and then just tap in the garbage. And he's had, like, what, like 500 goals taken away this year for goaltender interference? Approximately that many, yeah. Um, and he's already, he's still ended up with 36. But every time I watch the goal, the, the Oilers, they, they they talk about how he's had, like, 10 goals taken away. Oh, yeah, away, it's, so. it's a regular occurrence that he's, he's <laughs> always getting a goal taken away. And if... If if anyone's getting reviewed for a goal on the Oilers, it's because Hyman was in the crease. <laughs> yeah, so and like to be fair, most well of be... them most of them are like, okay, you technically were in the crease and made contact, so it probably shouldn't count. But like, it's not it's not like he's out there smashing into the goalies. Yeah, so they got to be careful not to not to get called on that. Um, in like a clutch moment in the game, a goal getting taken away would suck. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think I just think the Oilers like with the addition of Ekholm kind of stabilize the defense. So any offense that LA is going to generate is going to be, you know, matched with some some good defense, and I think that the offense the Oilers can generate is going to be too much for LA. You know, they've added um, Gavrikov, and he's been a good stay-at-home guy for them, but I just don't think that's going to be good enough against, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle, yeah. Nuge. So I I <coughs> I can see how people are comparing it to like last year, but it's like. I just think that the Oilers are so much better this season, 
and like their their defense is just oh yeah different well, i mean like all that, of the ekholm edition yeah the the main so, holes that so the oilers good. had being goaltending being such a letdown last year with mike smith in the playoffs you know they basically only got as far as they did because they just managed to outscore their problems for 10 games and then eventually it all cut up to them when they don't have very good goaltending they don't have very good defense and the offense dries up a bit against colorado they get swept so they go and fix the goaltending yeah. because skinner is a hell of a lot better than smith was i think more maybe not stat wise as much but more stable and reliable you know yeah yeah they lost duncan keith who was a stabilizing presence for bouchard but at so much better in every way on that pairing yeah. and he does like i like i was talking about he does so much for that and even the depth scoring they uh that that addition of nick bugstad i didn't think he was going to move the needle very much but he's actually a very effective player like he's he's pitching in he's finding himself in good areas on the ice and he's producing in in his own little way which is a lot more than i would have expected from him i thought he was going to be like a Derek Brassard addition like just some veteran presence his depth but no he's actually mm -hmm. earned himself a place in the lineup i got a quick question for you when did uh Dreisaitl get hurt last year in the playoffs that was against la that was mikey anderson yeah so i guess that's why mcdavid took him out hey uh um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> no that was that um, was uh mikey anderson like jumped on his back or something or dragged him down horse collared him or something and and sprained his ankle what game was that in like early in the series i can't remember what game it was in actually because i remember i remember watching him against in, in playoffs and like just how he was like let's see he had one leg out there he was Basically, so slow yeah and so i mean i wouldn't say that his game's ever been like super speedy but like being able to skate i think will make a huge difference um and a healthy dry McDavid is going to be really hard to yeah to defeat I think so looks like it was in game yeah. six that happened last year yeah so it made more of a difference against Colorado um, now my and then my one of my game. big uh big brain thoughts or questions is uh who do they start do they go do they roll out like the offensive firepower and just go McDavid, Drysidle, Nuge, Bouchard, Ekholm to start the series? Or do they try and set a different tone and put out like Kane, Bugstad, uh, Costin, Nurse and and Deharnay to start the series? Well it's in it's in Hamilton. Yeah. Because they've got home ice, so do you see what LA is gonna do and then just throw out how does that work for opening face off? Because I know line change procedure for any whistle, any stoppage after that. But for opening face-off, do you have to, like... I know they submit a lineup card, I think. They submit a card because if they don't have the right guys, you get a penalty. Yeah. We've seen that before. But I just wonder, like, if you see what the away team is going to do first and then you submit your card or if it's, like, both are independently set. I'm not sure. It, it must be... It must be the away team does it, and then the home team does it. Because remember that Calgary Tortorella fight? Oh yeah, where Calgary set their roster, and then Tortorella was like, "Well," <laughs> or it was the other way around. Maybe I can't remember. But one team put out all their goons, and they're like, "Okay, we'll match," and we put out all ours. So, I guess yeah. If um, I mean, what would you do if LA starts like Kopitar? I would probably I, d I don't think you can start anyone but the McDavid line, whatever, <laughs> yeah. and even or just McDavid in general. Like, is is tone setting as it would be to toss out all of the biggest hitters you can, 
just to go and like get some momentum going and then toss out McDavid like 20 seconds later. I don't think you can pass up the opportunity to toss out Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Drysaddle to open that to open that series out. Yeah. Just even like not as the permanent line line breakdown composition, but just just for that first shift, just to go and well, like try and generate something offensively immediately. Get some touches early and yeah. get a feel for the game and yeah, oh yeah, get into it. Get get a couple quick can, shots yeah. off. Get a couple quick passes in. Get the Kings on their heels and and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I know, I get it that you don't want to go with your team just for the, you know, the superstition, the um, superstition of it all. But um, I think, I think on pa- on paper, um, Oilers have a have a huge advantage, and um, I know the Kings have been a pretty deep team, but if if some of their guys are out, and yep. I don't know, I don't know if they're going to be strong enough to to really really contend um but the the beautiful thing about hockey is that no one's ever out and sometimes the best team on paper isn't um the best hardest working team and they get outworked and uh you can have a huge upset so we'll we'll keep an eye out i've i've pegged two upsets that i think might happen um but you know i think it's it's like any bracket like after the first round there's like one person who has the correct exactly <laughs> bracket right so um there's going to be teams that should win that don't and that's just the way it is and that's why it's amazing and that's why you know no one it, you can't just pick boston versus vegas or whatever or colorado who is i think i accidentally did that in vegas. one bracket i made is is no yeah. it's boston versus colorado yeah I'm like, I, mean, I don't like picking that because it's like, it's the generic pick and I don't actually think it's going to happen, but just, I look at the series and I'm just like, well, that's who I think is going to win. I mean, the dramatic storyline here in the West is if LA beats Edmonton and Vegas beats Winnipeg, Vegas plays LA, Ooh. does Vegas play quick? <laughs> <laughs> or if, if they want to win, do they not play quick? <laughs> You're right. Um, uh, maybe so maybe yeah. quick would be motivated against uh, LA in that series. Maybe I'm he sure he would be, but I don't know if uh, he'd be exceptionally good against them. He's been pretty not great mm. all year. So anyway, um, so yeah, I guess we got some some different picks. Um, we're about fifty fifty. Yeah, I think five five of eight were the same. Yeah, cool. Or four right, of eight. Well, there any four of eight, never mind. Yeah, fifty fifty. Um is there any other anything else you want to say? Which one are you gonna watch a lot of? Which one are you gonna not watch at all? Well I'll probably watch a little bit of the Oilers series. <laughs> yeah. I figured, yeah, probably. Yeah. No. Edmonton LA, um I wanna watch Colorado Seattle. I wanna watch the New Jersey and the Rangers. I'm probably not gonna watch much of Carolina and the Islanders. Unless mm-hmm. it's the only game on. And probably not much of Dallas, Minnesota either. I'll watch the Dallas ones. I'll probably watch the Oilers. I mean, they both play tomorrow. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Rangers-Devils will be will be a fun one. And I'll probably watch Winnipeg. I'll probably make an effort to watch watch that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I might have the other ones on just on the other screen or something. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for the Dallas one. And uh, I'll probably be... be make a huge effort to watch every single game in that series. But yeah, there'll be some interesting matchups. Um, I think some 
we'll see what happens. Um, is there anyone that you're really surprised didn't make playoffs this season? I'm a bit surprised Pittsburgh didn't just because of how much they collapsed at the latter half of the season. That mm-hmm. they were they were in a playoff spot, they were comfortably in a playoff spot for so long, and then they just fell off. And they, yeah. you know, they sucked towards the end of the season. They got overtaken by Florida, who sucked to be start the year. And I mean, even the Islanders caught up as well in <clears throat> in the last couple of months. So just to see Pittsburgh fall off like that is is uncharacteristic for them. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with Pittsburgh, and then in the West, I'd say Calgary and St. Louis. Um, really, even St. Louis. Yeah, just come like compared to like the beginning of the season, mm. not like in the last few weeks or anything. Uh, obviously, St. Louis sold and everything, but just at the beginning of the season, I thought that they probably would have been in the mix a bit more than they were, but obviously, them selling changes kind of their trajectory a bit, but. Um, they look like they had a pretty, I don't know, not a contender team, but like a, a competitive roster. Wild card, wild uh, card team. Yeah, yeah. But Calgary definitely surprises me. Um, just with their, I mean, there's that stat, and I don't know if it's accurate anymore, but it was like they lost the most one-goal games. They, like, had the most posts hit. They, like, lost the most games that when they outshot their opponent. Like, <laughs> it's just Well, like, I mean... It's really bad luck. It's not a very good system when a coach doesn't even know the numbers of his players. <laughs> but I think yeah, I, mean, I think like, that's it's telling. Is is I? It sounds like there's a lot of discontent in the locker room in Calgary with with Daryl Sutter as coach. That a lot of players aren't too fond of him, and uh, a lot of people were very upset at that that whatever that was supposed to be with Jacob Peltier. Oh yeah, what number mm-hmm. was he? Something like that. Yeah. A lot of people weren't weren't too happy. It rubbed them the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, he's a good coach when things are going good, but he's really hard on players, I think, when things aren't going good. And just the amount of bad puck luck they had all year, like, it just, it's probably just time to, to move on. But uh, I was talking to a guy at work about this, but it's like, how much is it, how much of it is really Sutter's fault? Because they did lose all these games by one game and they hit all these posts and, like they outshot all their opponents so like clearly something's working in their system they're just yep. not getting goals and their goaltenders really let them down that's that's a big so one too like, is the goaltending and so they had all those moves in the offseason they lost their energy they lost their core like Matthew Kitschuk's such a huge part of that team of any team's mm-hmm. like energy and momentum like I was talking about with the Panthers series it's going to be the one hope they have is if Kachuk can go and get under the skin of the Bruins yeah. And they they go and lose that. They lose Gaudreau as well. So it's it's going to be a huge shakeup that's going to be hard to adjust because now you have all these vacant holes in the roster that players have to go somehow step in and fill. Yeah. And we talked about Seattle having the biggest increase in points for an expansion team of all time. And Jonathan Huberdeau on Calgary had the, the biggest decrease in points of all time, um, going from like 115 to like 55. 55. Um, so that's, that's massive. Um, but yeah, I just, I just struggle with like how much of it is really on Sutter as a coach. Cause it's like, he put them in a position to win almost every game. Yeah. But they the, just, the finish wasn't there. The goaltending wasn't there. Yeah. And they lost 17 <laughs> games in overtime or a shootout. So it's like, if they had won 
just a couple of those games, they'd be in Winnipeg's spot, right? So it's like, it's, 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 yeah, but if the players don't like them, like, does that matter? Like, I don't know. So we'll see what Calgary does, but um, I feel like it's just more of a unfortunate end for them because, like, they were the numbers show you that they were they were in every game and if they had league average goaltending if they had Martin Jones <laughs> they would have <laughs> <laughs> they would have made it um so that's that's tough but yeah they they kind of shocked me a bit but i'm sure you're fine with it 100% <laughs> that's why Joey, i didn't say it sh- that's why them. i didn't say it didn't shock me cuz i'm like ah calgary sucks good <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> That wraps things up for this time here on Clappercast. Make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way. For more content, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more Hockey Talk.